Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Original Strength Podcast. This week we have a very special guest, real life superhero and real life friend, Mr. David Whitley, also known as the Iron Tamer. David, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me on, Tim. It's very exciting. Always enjoy talking to you. Always leave conversations with you, either scratching my head about how to figure something out that you said or um, something that I hadn't some twist on something I hadn't thought of that I can apply to my own life. So I'm excited about this. I'm going to be smarter when we finish. Um, well, I hope I don't disappoint you, but really, I, <laughs> I don't know how many smart things I'm going to say today because I want to ask you a lot of questions. Um, first off though, guys, if you don't know, David Whitley is the iron tamer. He is a performing strongman, a motivational coach and speaker and all around just really good guy. I first met David, I don't know, it's probably been back in 2010, 2009, somewhere in there. Somewhere around right in there, yeah. Um, and I met you in the kettlebell world uh, mm -hmm. at the time, and I did not even know you were a strongman. I got into this move uh, called the bent press, mm -hmm. and I started Googling uh, the bent press uh, as to, to learn how to do it because it was, uh, was kind of complicated for me, and that's, that's where I first saw you um, performing that move. So, by the way, do you can you what is the bent press? Because I think that's a perfect uh, old time strongman move, right? Yeah, I love the bent press. It is a fantastic lift. Um, there's a, an old strongman called named Sig Klein who referred to it as the king of lifts back in the early 1900s. Um, most modern fitness people will tell you that the squat or the deadlift is the king of lifts now, and I can see an argument for either side of it. Because back in those days, um, they didn't have squat racks very often to speak of. So they would have to find a different way to get the bar on their shoulders, that kind of stuff. But the bent press is the way that you, it allows you to put more weight overhead with one hand than any other method once you've learned how to do it. It is um, a slow moving, slower moving um, exercise that requires good mobility and good stability in all of your joints, good body awareness, um, good understanding of, uh, of where you are in relation to the ground and to the weight. And it, it, um, for the longest time I I was completely enamored of the get up and, and I still think the get up is a good thing, but after a deep dive into some bent press stuff and how it related to the get up, I decided that the bent press finishes what the get-up starts for most people. So all the benefit of the get-up plus, plus more stuff. Yeah, I first, I, like, I like, I, well, I like the get-up, but when I saw pictures of the bent press, there was always these old photographs of really strong-looking guys, but it was like a real strong look. It, they didn't look like bodybuilders, but they right. looked like they were formidable. Um, they yep. just look raw is a good word to ex explain it. And it, I was just drawn to it um, because the, the pictures, they, they all look classic and it just, the movement itself just looked very cool. Yeah. And, and I, we didn't talk about this before we started recording, um, but I did through my research and gathering information from dozens and dozens of different sources to figure out how to do the bent press effectively. Cause, cause I, when I first learned it, um, it was at my RKC certification. It was part of the level one curriculum in 2003. Oh, wow. And um, it came very easily and very naturally to me on my right side, but on my left side, it was much more like what I've come to find out most people experience 
um, it was just kind of awkward. And uh, I've thrown out the term monkey hump and a doorknob before, you know, in comparison, <laughs> right arm to left arm. So what I what I wound up doing was analyzing my right side, reverse engineering what I was doing and then teaching it to my left side. And they don't look identical now, but um, they're quite similar. And so through all of this research that I did, reading the writings of these old time strongmen like Sig Klein, um, Arthur Saxon, Alan Calvert, Thomas Inch, all these guys who were very versed in the lift because it used to be a contested lift before Olympic weightlifting became a thing. Um, they would do all around lifting meets. And as far as I know, the only organization that still contests the bent press is the um, IAWA, which is the International All Around Weightlifting Association and its um, American uh, representatives, I guess, for lack of a better word, the USAWA. Um, they still contest the bent press, but they have about 200 different lifts that they use in their contests. So um, all that to say, I compiled all this information and wrote a book about it. And, and it was it was a book that I wish that I would have had when I was learning how, you know, when I was figuring out how to do it. And then I recorded a companion video to it that I was selling for a, for several years on a website called Selfie. And then I realized, you know, I've only made monetarily it doesn't make sense for me to continue to sell this because I wasn't really bringing in much money with it, but I wanted to get that message out to people. So actually about a month or two ago, I just went ahead and created a dedicated website called tamingthebentpress.com. And if you go there, put your name and email address in it, it'll take you to a page where that 75-ish minute long instructional video that I recorded and used to sell is just available for free there. You don't have to, there's there's no no other cost involved other than putting your name and email address in there. It'll take you to it and you can watch that. It's it's um, everything that I knew at the time um, to teach people in a in a broad sense. Cause, I mean, obviously, there's there's other stuff that would be a case-by-case -case basis, but I put that video up for free for anyone that wants it at tamingthebentpress.com. <laughs> well, that's uh, I did not know that, so that's good to know. I haven't really promoted it much. I did it. Uh, I, I think I made it live between Thanksgiving and the beginning of December. And then, you know, the holidays hit and here we are, you know, eight weeks later. So it, you are, I mean, you're, you, I, I look at you as the bent press expert. Um, so Thank guys, you. if, if you want to see a really cool movement or a sexy move, uh, that, that real old time strongman used to do, uh, check out that, that link that Dave was talking about. Um, and he is, he can teach you how to do a bent press and it does look cool. Um, but let's, let's, let's shift gears just a little bit. Uh, so before we do, before we yeah, do for, yeah. for your audience, um, you and I have had extensive conversations about the bent press before and about how it has resets built into it. It does. Actually. And so, so that's one of the cool things about it. Um, so yeah, tamingthebentpress.com, go check it out. Oh, well, if we want to get into the reset aspect of it, well, let me just tell you, uh, it crosses midline, it activates the vestibular system. Um, it, it is just full of reflexive strength. Um, but it, it is a very, very good movement. And the, and the video will take you from not knowing even what a bent press is all the way up through doing the bent press with kettlebell, barbell, and dumbbell and doing the two hands anyhow, which is kind of a, a, the next step after learning the bent press. And the, the most challenging thing for most people learning how to do it is feeling safe in this twisted up bent over position with the weight over your head. So I've got some... Um, progressions or regressions, depending on how you want to look at it, that will 
allow you to be in a more stable, safe position and experiment with um, other other parts of your body being in the the necessary positions to achieve the bent press. So it's it's comprehensive. So uh, safety is important. After I first learned about the bent press, I decided to do it with a barbell mm -hmm. in my garage beside my car. And uh, <laughs> the barbell twisted in my hand and put uh -huh. me in an arm bar. And uh -huh. I was completely stuck in an arm bar right beside my car trying to think I either drop this on my head or I drop this on my Honda. Mm -hmm. And uh, somehow I jumped out of the way and it did not hit the Honda. But I was I, for about 30 seconds, I was in a predicament. So yeah. learn the right way to do it. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned you learned that uh, researching old time strongman and things like that. But you are actually what I would call a new time strongman because you're not living in the past. Mm -hmm. So how long how long have you been a perform performing strongman? First got interested in in feats of strength. It like got brought into my awareness probably in 2006 or 2007. I used to have a website that um, in the days before podcasts I would have phone conversations like we're having now and I would burn that onto a CD and mail it out to people. And, um, I interviewed Bud Jeffries that way back then. And, um, I would interview various people who were stronger than me, um, under the guise of creating this product. But really what I was doing was learning what they knew so that I could make myself stronger. And, um, I would always ask people, do you know anyone that would be a good guest for the show? And Bud said, you got to get Dennis Rogers on the show or on the, on, so it wasn't a show, but like you got to do a, a, a month with Dennis Rogers. And I said, okay. And I got in touch with Dennis Rogers. If you don't know who Dennis Rogers is, he is a performing strongman, probably has been seen by more people than all other performing strongmen through history combined thanks to having been on multiple television shows in multiple countries. And you know, it was on Oprah, Jimmy Kimmel, um, that the best damn sports show ever, whatever that show was called. So he's been on, done a lot of TV and stuff. And so when I connected with him, he said, I'm going to send you some DVDs of some stuff that I do so that you're better prepared. And so he sends me videos of him performing and also teaching things. And like one of the first things was him bending a wrench and, and I was I, I was strong and I like understood what strength was, but I had to rewind and watch. And I'm like, I'm not really registering how impressive that is, because back then he was the only one that I knew of that was bending wrenches. I'm like, OK, so he says, uh, hey, do you want to learn how to do this? And I'm like, sure. And so here we are 12, 13 years later. And um, I don't know when this is going to air, but we're recording it on the 10th of January, I think. And on the. 25th and 26th in Austin, Texas, Dennis and I are teaching, co-teaching a workshop called Old Time Strongman University, which is where we teach people how to do feats of strength. Um, so I got interested in and how to put together a show and actually become a performing um, strength performer. If you want to, if you want to do that, you can just come for the feats if you want to, but we'll teach you everything that, that it takes to get in front of people and deliver a message and use the feats to support that. Um, another plug. It's going to turn into plug fest, old time, strongman, university.com. There's free stuff there. There's information about the workshop. So I got involved in it through Dennis back then and, um, fell in love with it. And in about 2013, I think it was, I said, you know what? I want to turn this into my full-time thing. And so I started, uh, looking at 
how keynote speakers build a business to get in front of crowds and to earn money that way. And so it, it's turned into a thing now that it, that is my main gig is, is speaking and performing now. So what are some of the, just for our listeners, just to kind of wrap their head around, what are some of the really cool feats of strength that you have, that you have done? That I have done myself. Um, Kind of standard feats are bending a 60 penny nail. Let me see if I got one laying up here somewhere. I usually have one nearby. Yeah. So it's a 60 penny nail. It is six inches long, quarter inch in diameter, and it takes about 250 or 300 pounds of pressure to, to bend that. So bending nails, spikes, that kind of stuff. Twisting open horseshoes, ripping decks of cards, um, and not only ripping them in half, but like ripping them in halves, ripping them in quarters, ripping notches out of them, ripping them into strips, various different things like that. Behind the back, oven mitts, you know, fun stuff like that. Um, here's another pitch, another plug. How to rip a deck of cards.com. I've got a course on that there. I, I don't mean to turn this into pitch fest, but. But it's relevant to the conversation. So ripping cards, um, twisting open horseshoes, leverage lifting sledgehammers. The bent press is one that that I use um, frequently. Um, typically, I'll do that with a human being. I'll put a belt around their waist and get them to hold it in a particular way that's safe and then bent press them from there. Uh, what else? Driving a nail through a board without a hammer. How do you, how do you, wait, how do, you do that? Drive the nail? Yeah, without a hammer. Um, well, you have the board on the stands or you have someone that I'll tip, uh, I'll often do it, have someone sit down and we'll set the board in their lap across their knees because it's a great crowd reaction and it's terrifying, um, yeah. but it's, it's completely safe. And then I have a, a rag, like a washcloth that has been made into a pad to protect my hand. It's got a tiny little piece of leather in it because, um, and that's, Stuff that's something that Dennis Rogers and Slim the Hammerman, his mentor, urged me to do because at one point Dennis actually didn't have that safety thing in place on his rag and wound up putting the nail, the head of the nail, into his hand. Wow. So we want to avoid that. That's counterproductive training, right? <laughs> um, so you you have that pad in your hand and you have a board in front of you. And you just have to 100% commit to it and hit it with as much speed and force as you possibly can. So you have to be relaxed to a certain degree, much like sprinting. If you're tense, when you try to sprint, you're not going to be able to go as fast, but um, speed is paramount for it. And so you just, you just whack it. Just whack. And hopefully the nail goes through the board and a whole lot of times it won't, but one, the time will come when it does and you'll, you will literally feel like you can, you can just crush the world at that point. All right. Um, very cool. So what, 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 what's the hardest thing challenge for you that you either you had to learn or feet that you had to, that you were able to, to master? Um, learning and being able to perform the nail drive was a, a process for me because the first time that I consciously remember seeing it happen was that video of Dennis putting the nail in his hand. And so when I would go to practice it, I could feel myself putting the brakes on because that there's an image of, of him with his nails sticking out. Cause he caught the, he caught that, but he also um, took the cameraman with him to the emergency room for the extraction. And so I got to see the whole thing start to finish, you know? <laughs> and um, I'm like, yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> My wife says it gives you the heaps. Yeah. Definitely gives me the heebie jeebies on that one. Um, so I could feel myself 
slowing down subconsciously, even though consciously I knew I was safe. Subconsciously, my mind was like, hey, you know, the guy that taught you how to do this messed up once and that was enough. I mean, he he recovered fine and still does the feet to this day. But uh, it was a the mess up was an issue of of getting too complacent with things and missing some some boxes on the checklist for safety. So it took me a long time, several months to be able to do that feat. And it actually took me going and training in person with him and having him coach me through it and get me in a particular state of mind to be able to do that. Um, it's not a very physically demanding or hard to do feat, but from the, the subconscious mind standpoint, it took me a while to get there on that one. Um, physically the most demanding feat that I've done as far as just like classic feats of strength is bending what uh there's a strong man named Eric Vining um that he doesn't he's not very public but he's he's very well respected um he dubbed this particular bar Goliath it's four feet long inch and a half thick and inch and no inch and a half wide half inch thick um steel and I've bent that piece twice in my life, but it's something that I've had to train up, that I had to train up to. And it took several minutes to do it. And then after I did it, I'm like, I'm going to go watch Netflix or something now, you know, because it was just. Wait, wait, wild. wait, wait. That bar was called Goliath? Yeah. And yeah. your name is your yeah. name's David? Okay, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just making sure I'm tracking it's with there. you. It's there. Don't think that was was lost on me. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I actually, the, the first time that I bent it successfully, I just happened to have uh, the camera rolling and I caught it on video. It's on YouTube. It takes about five minutes. It's not very entertaining to watch. It's a guy who's trying to figure out how to do something in the midst of stuff. And so, um, but if you want to see it, it's on YouTube. So you said some things I really want to come back to, okay. um, but but one of the reasons I really resonate with you uh, because I'm a big superhero fan um, and you and I often speak the same language. Mm -hmm. At least I hear a lot yeah. of like, I just, oh, it's there. when you talk, man, I'm always like learning things and absorbing things. And there's something in me though, that always just wants to, to kind of jump when, when you, when you talk and say things. Cool, I, my friend. And I, I did get to see you perform, um, one time and I was just, man, I was just resonating so strongly with you. And I think that was the time. It was at a uh, Strength Matters event, mm -hmm. and I think you had just written a book called Superhuman You. Mm -hmm. And I, I bought that book. I, of course, I had to because it was all about being superhuman. So. <laughs> but I, I love, I love your approach to what the human body can do, um, and how strong. Like there are no limits to what we can do. Um, and you, you just said though, um, when you were trying to learn how to bend that nail how your subconscious mind or not bend the nail, but, uh, right drive now, the nail yeah. through the, through the board, how your subconscious mind was, was kind of jacking with you a bit. How, how important is it or how, how much does it matter, um, to be able to do anything or to take the limits off your body? If your subconscious mind is, is tripping you up or how do you even know if your subconscious mind is tripping you up? Can you take anything I just said there and run with that? Yeah. I can, I can run with it, um, at least a couple hundred feet. So, um, what is the role of the subconscious mind in being able to execute feats of strength? Subconscious mind is where our self image lives. Okay. So if, 
to, to quote the mighty Adam, who was a legendary strong man who did things that no one will ever duplicate. Um, if you place no limit on yourself, then you won't have any. Actually, I, the, the exact quote is place no limits upon yourself and you will have none. Think that you are strong and you are. And his protege, Slim the Hammer Man, told me face to face, it's not that you don't have the power, it's that you can't access the power because of the fear. Power's already there inside you. Question is, can you bring it out? And then, of course, Dennis Rogers taught me um, very early on, says you, you must remove doubt and limitation from your mind because your mind controls your body. So I'm like, they're all saying the same thing in a slightly different way. And um, I took it to heart and I, I started studying what I just personally refer to as mind masters. So I found a quote in a book from a guy that I consider to be one of the great masters of application of mind. And when I say studying the mind masters, it's like, how does my mind work? What role does it play, not just in physical expression, but also in every other aspect of my life? Because that's what, you know, it's the, the mind controls everything. If the mind controls the body and we look at the body as something that doesn't end where our flesh ends, it extends into our entire existence, our physical 3D reality that we live in. You could say that entire thing is the body in the context that I'm using it right now. And so if the mind controls the body and we become what we think about, I want to learn from people who can explain to me in a very practical, tactical, hands-on, usable, take this and do something with it right now kind of way, much like original strength works, right? It's like, this is, this is jacked up. Okay. Do this reset. Now it's not jacked up anymore. Right. Or it works better. Even if it is still jacked up, it's trending towards better. So like, how can I do that with my mind? So I started studying various different uh, mind masters and it wound up taking me back again to the same era as this golden era of strongmen. Like a lot of really cool stuff was written from about 1890 into the 1950s. And the quote that I'm that I'm talking about is whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And that's from Napoleon Hill. And, and it's in Think and Grow Rich. And he was talking about it in context of creating wealth for yourself. But I'm like, he didn't say if you believe that you can be wealthy or if you believe that you can be strong, then you can achieve it. It said whatever, which to me means anything that we can conceive that we can think of. And believe that it can come to pass. Not and, and I don't mean hope. I don't mean wish. And I don't even mean faith. I don't mean having faith in it. I mean believing in it with the same certainty that tomorrow morning, sometime, the sun's coming up. And this afternoon, this evening, sometime, the sun's going down. You know, there's no question that that's going to happen. None. So it goes beyond even even saying I have faith in it or that I believe in it, it goes into knowing. And so I kind of adapted that myself. That To me, the way Hill is using the word believe in that context is like, you know it. You know that sometime later today, you're going to have to go to the bathroom. It's going to happen. You don't, may not know when, but it's going to happen with certainty. There's no question about it. And when you can take that level of certainty and apply it to a feat of strength or... Um, 
doing something to reclaim some aspect of your health or to your finances or to your relationships with other people is when that's the seed that I've planted. Like you don't plant seeds for corn and then wonder if wheat's going to come up. You know it's going to be corn. The question is, when is it going to come up? And you, you tend to that garden that way. And I treat the subconscious mind, um, and I didn't come up with this concept. I got it. I think this comes from James Allen, as men think, that the subconscious mind is like a garden. And something's going to grow in it, and results are going to be produced. And you can either just let whatever the wind blows blow into your garden and grow weeds. Or you can plant things that you want to grow, and you can tend to it, and you can pull the weeds out, and you can nurture whatever you planted until it grows into a beautiful flower or, or an apple tree or whatever. Sorry, I almost knocked my stuff down there. Um, so something's getting planted there all the time. And the conscious part of our mind can be at odds with the subconscious part of our mind, and the subconscious will always win. And I'm going to say that again because it's that important. The conscious part of our mind can want one thing. The subconscious part of our mind is programmed to do something else, and they're at odds with each other. Subconscious always wins because it works just like a thermostat on the wall. If we have a thermostat set for 70 degrees and it's 20 degrees outside and we open all the windows in the house, the thermostat has one job, to bring the room temperature up to 70. And it will either bring the room temperature up to 70 or it will burn out trying while we have the windows open. So. If our conscious mind says, I want the windows open, but I want it to be warm and it's 20 degrees outside, something's going to fall apart in there somewhere. So if we can get all of those things in harmony with each other, I want it to warm up in here. Oh, the window's open. I should close the window. Now let's turn the heat on. Oh, look, it's warm now. That kind of thing. The subconscious mind works the same way. And I talk about it in the book. I give some some practical um hands-on applicable stuff that you can read the book and not even be finished with the book, set the book down and start writing some stuff down. And you've taken steps towards planting whatever seed you want in the garden of your mind. Man, I am so glad I asked you that question. And if anybody's listening to that, that explanation, <laughs> that exclamation was life-changing. I mean, that's a million dollar answer right there. Um, that's powerful. Um, dude, <laughs> I just, I just want to okay, go. Uh, so we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're, that, that was perfect. Um, so, and you did, you did write about that in Superhuman You, and I, th I think that's one of the reasons I, I love that book so much. I actually bought it for my training studio so that our our members could have it. Um, it's just a, it's a powerful book. Um, so where, okay, so where can where can people learn about Superhuman You? Is okay. is is it still on Amazon? The book is available on Amazon, and it's also available on lulu.com, but don't go buy it because I recently put together a website called superhumanubook.com where I give it away. You go there. I, I feel so strongly about this stuff, and I'm so called to talk to people about it that I realized if there's a barrier to getting my book based on someone not being able to go on Amazon and buy it, I want to give it to them anyway, because I think that the information in it, um, it I, I truly believe that, that the information, and I didn't come up with any of it. I collected it all. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm 
you know, the, the wise old man sitting on the mountain. I'm not, I'm still climbing the mountain, but, um, I think the information is so valuable that I want everyone to have it. And so I'm giving it away. All I'm asking that people do is pay for shipping and handling. So if you go to superhumanubook.com, I'll send you a copy of it for free. All you have to do is pay shipping and handling. Right. And, and, and I believe in it so much that if you get the book and you think the book sucks, you have to actually read it. And and I'm if if you if it comes to this, you think the book sucks and you don't want it anymore, I'll let you keep it and I'll refund your shipping money. I feel that strongly about it. There's no risk in it. I just want people to to learn this stuff. And I want to, I want to, I want to create a, a legacy for myself that extends past physical culture stuff or kettlebell stuff or strength related stuff. I want to be able to have an impact on the lives of people who have zero interest in, in working out or exercise. I mean, I, I would hope that, that through association with information that I'm putting together and, and, and offering to people that they would, you know, develop an interest in moving their bodies and being healthy and strong. But I know some people won't ever, and that's okay. That's their choice. I still want to be able to help them improve other areas of their life, like relationships or finances or, or whatever. Um, and the approach that I use in the book is I believe that we all have latent superhuman abilities. And it's not like the things that you and I read about in comic books when we were a kid all the way up to now, you know, I'm, I'm you're not going to read this book and be able to shoot lasers out of your eyes or fly or anything like that. But if we look within the, the actual natural laws of the, the, the reality that we live in, all of us have superhuman abilities that may not be superhuman yet because all of us have unique abilities. And I define superhuman power by taking the three parts of, the, of that of that uh, label and breaking it down. Human, let's, let's, let's just analyze these words for a moment. Human is you and me. It's the experience that we have. And I don't have to define that for anybody because you already know. Um, super from the Latin root means over, above, or beyond exhibiting the characteristics of its type to an extreme or excessive degree. So when you do something like a, a crawl for a quarter mile, was it a quarter mile or a mile? What was that that big crawl that you did? It was a mile, right? It was a mile. Yeah. yeah. So when you just plop down and crawl, leopard crawl, was it leopard crawl or Spider-Man? Uh, spider. Okay. So when you plop down and Spider-Man crawl for a mile, that's a feat that I don't know anyone else personally that's done that. I mean, there probably are people or there may be people, but that's a superhuman feat of both strength and endurance and also mobility and a test of will, right? I mean, so, and how did you warm up for it? I walked over to the track, right? I love that story. So if you do something like that, or if someone like our mutual friend, John Brookfield pulls a truck for a mile, or Dennis Rogers bends a wrench. You know, those are expressions of superhuman strength. That is exhibiting characteristics of its type of strength to an extreme or excessive degree. That's what superhuman strength means, right? Um, but then we get to the word power, and power comes from a Latin root, poter, which is the same root word as potential. So our power and our potential come from the same place even in the language that we use. And power means, uh, or poter means the ability or capacity to do something. 
So we all have the ability or capacity to do something. We're all human. And if we exercise our mind and our abilities in the right way, we can exhibit these power, this ability to do something to an extreme or excessive degree. Maybe you want to be a superhuman real estate agent and sell millions of dollars of homes to people and bring happiness and joy to them. That might be your superpower. The way that I look at it is whatever it is that is your superhuman power will be something that allows you to fully express who you are fully. Right. Like I see you do when you teach original strength, you'd be doing that same stuff, even if there wasn't a class there. Right. It's just that's that's a part of who you are. Um, it allows you to live a full, happy and productive life. So you're able to to enhance your experience outside of just being able to express yourself. You're having a good life on top of that. And then it also makes the world a better place in some capacity. So when, when you teach original strength, the people who come to you leave better than they, they were when they got there in whatever area that they hope to, right? Yes. So that's a superhuman power to me. It, mm-hmm. It's who you are. It allows you to live a full and happy life yourself and it allows you to make the world a better place. That's using your superpowers for good. And using your superpowers for evil is anything other than that. So if you've got some superhuman ability and you're just locked off into your basement and you never share it with anybody or you never capitalize on it or you never fully develop it or you never fully embrace it, then I believe you're committing an act of evil in the. Well, I, I, I would call that a, a tragedy. That would yes. be a tragedy. Do you know the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No, sorry. Different time. <laughs> I believe I have heard of that. <laughs> Not a story of Jedi, I would tell you. Anyway, <laughs> so coming back around, um, that's the that's the purpose in what I'm doing with writing this book is I want people to understand that they that we all have abilities that can be developed to an extreme or excessive degree that will enhance our lives, enhance the lives of others, and you know that's that's superhuman power to me. I, I think that's why I love the book so much because when I first, well, one, your cover spoke to me because um, <laughs> you had a guy ripping, it's like a, yeah, it's like Superman. Yeah, breaking chains. Breaking chains. And I don't know if, I don't know if this will show up on the video or not because it does. A, a, for the, for the people that are, that are watching, like right now I'm looking, you're real big and I'm tiny enough in the corner. Is it going to be like a split screen when it gets published? I, I will actually, it's going to, it's going to be split screen, but I can make it one screen where that's beautiful. It looks beautiful okay. here. So. so, so there's the guy breaking the chain. And then on the back of it, there's another guy breaking a chain. So that's me breaking a chain with chest expansion. So that's why I chose this cover. And that's what I love about that particular feat is, you know, we've, we've all seen that, that iconic Superman drawing where he's, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what's up. So anyway, I I interrupted you. You were talking no, about the cover. No. Uh, so the cover, you know, you don't, you can't judge a book by its cover. Um, that cover spoke to me, mm-hmm. and so, and 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 just knowing you, um, I knew I knew I was going to love the book, but the cover spoke to me. And when I got the book, what I was expecting was to learn how to do superhuman feats of strength, but what I got was so much greater than that. Because what I got everything you were just talking about, like how to really express yourself to your optimal potential the way you were designed to, mm-hmm. to, to, to live the superhuman life. And, and it may be, you know, 
being the best neighbor your neighborhood's ever had. That may be sure. your human thing. But if you can can express yourself the way you want to, the way that you're designed to, to me that is being living out your superhuman life. And your book just I just so, wrote that down, living a superhuman life. I'm gonna to totally use that. That's man, it's well, that's what your book's about. I mean, it's so that that was the uh, the diamond for me because what I was expecting was one thing, which I knew was gonna be great, but I got so much more than I was expecting. Um, especially in this journey in my life where I believe that we are here for some really miraculous and amazing things and not just to live a ho-hum, boring, nobody knows anything about your life. Um, and anyway, so I, I, I really well done on your book. Cause I, I and I think that the message that you're giving is not only a message of hope, but it's just, it's a, it is a message of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can all realize the power that we have inside of us, man, the sky is the limit and we truly are, we'll have a limitless, limitless life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, it's funny, lots of, of people that I know through my tenure in the fitness world have said something very similar to what you just said. I was expecting to learn how to do superhuman feats of strength, but actually what I deliver in the book, I believe is the lessons and the process that learning to do feats of strength taught me and how to extract that from the physical expression of of strength and apply it to anything. Because I think that our culture supports um, a mentality of disagreeing over differences. And I think that is a fundamental thing that shows up in all of us. Um, Just spend 45 seconds on social media, you'll find two people arguing about the same point. Um, because they see it from different perspectives or whatever. And I think that there's something to our human existence where from a very early age, we're conditioned to argue over differences. The flip side of that means that if we can argue over differences within any given subject, then there must be common ground in that same subject too. So I, I decided to look at it from a 180 standpoint. Okay. There's, there's multiple different differences in any given subject that people can argue over. What are the common things that all of those people agree on? Right? So like, for example, let's, let's use exercise for an example. You take, you take a yoga practitioner, you take a CrossFitter, you take an original strength person and you take a bodybuilder. They're all going to argue over the approach and the approach is defined by the end result for each of those examples. Right? But what no one will say is, nope, exercise is crap. None of us are, I'm, I'm not supporting that at all. All of them are saying, you have to move your body to achieve a result. Now, whatever that result is can be differently. So the common ground there is moving the body, right? Right. From a mental aspect, there is no doubt, it, it, no one with any sense of logic can argue that whatever we think about tends to be what we experience in our life. The vast majority of people, in my experience, think that what happens creates their thoughts. But if we look at it, we strip it down, our thoughts create what happens to us. And it that's truly, truly does. I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're all connected. We're all plugged in. We're all really just expressions of one. Because at the very beginning, there's, there's one. And whether whether you look at that from uh, 
from a religious standpoint, regardless of what your religion is, if you trace it back far enough, there was one. And then whatever that one was expressed itself into many. If you look at it from a completely um, atheistic standpoint, in the beginning, there was nothing and then it exploded. Right. That's the Big Bang. So. Everybody says the same thing, but we get caught up in arguing over the differences. What are the what are the similarities? What are the exact same principles that apply? Because that is the truth. If you can argue about it, it may or may not be true. But if you can't, if you can take two people with opposing viewpoints and put them in and find the thing that that within a given subject they absolutely agree on, we can we can call that truth. I, I, and this won't make any sense, but I got to verbalize it out loud so I can play this later. So sure. I think if if you can brace against it mm -hmm. and get traction in the ground and push against it, mm -hmm. it's not true. But if you get swept away in the flow of it, it could be true. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'll, as you, I'll have to marinate on that one. Uh, no, I got to marinate on it, too. That's but like, I think our differences create traction for us to try to get a foothold and, and you know, defend. And mm -hmm. anyway, like you, you've said so much that. Now I'm thinking, man, I just got to have you back for a whole other conversation. Uh, <laughs> just let me know when. Let's say, so all that aside, um, Superhuman You mm -hmm. is is your book, um, and it is a fantastic book for anyone wanting to realize their full potential, not just in feats of strength, but just in living their life to its utmost design and capacity. Um, and it is available for free at superhumanu.com. Superhumanubook.com. Superhumanubook.com. And I'll, I'll put that in the notes uh, also of the, of the podcast. Um, is there anything else that you got coming up in the works that you're working on? Um, this year is the year that I'm going to take the information that's in Superhuman U because it's, it's not all there is. It's, it's the... Just like if, if, if I go by um, Habitual Strength or any of the other books that you've written and read it, the, the overarching principle is in there of what original strength is, but all of original strength is not in there. Right. And to really get a feel for it, I'm going to need to either go find a coach or attend a workshop or communicate online. Well, that's finding a coach. I need to either get in-person coaching, online coaching, attend a workshop, something like that. I need to bring my individuality in front of someone who knows the information, right? And so this year is the year that I'm going to take the information that's in Superhuman You and expand that into an actual coaching program. I'm going to start um, later this year working with people, um, probably in small groups to, to kind of beta test it. I haven't, um, I haven't fleshed all that out yet, but I, I want to take a group of people through it create a probably a six week long online coaching program that's centered around this, this superhuman goal achievement and then um, continue to develop that into something that I'll, I'll make as an offering to people too. So, um, and the way to find out about that is to go get the book for free and then you'll be on my email list and I'll be able to communicate that with you. Awesome. Dude, that's, that's, that's really fantastic. Um, thank you. And good, and good to know. Um, Hey, listen, uh, Dude, thank you so, so much. This was me. this was amazing. Um, again, it was just like the book. I got way more than I was expecting. So, and I'm selfish, but I, I like to learn. Um, but man, That's good. David, you are 
you are you're a master teacher, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, and I, I I really love your willingness just to share. Um, mm-hmm. And and with the the passion that you do it with, um, it's just it's it's refreshing. Um, so you. guys, this is the Iron Tamer, Mister David Whitley. Um, please check out his book, SuperhumanYouBook.com, mm-hmm. and he's got a wealth of other resources out there. Um, we'll put the the links to his tearing a deck of cards if you want to learn how to do that. How to rip a deck of cards.com. How to rip a deck of cards dot com and how not to put a nail through your hand uh, dot com. We that's probably probably is that is that a link? <laughs> um, that's 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 not a link for me. Um, I am I am playing with the idea of, of uh, I've already bought the domain how to drive a nail without a hammer dot com. But there's nothing there. It's not live, but I've got it so that when the time comes for me to make that course, it'll be available too. That'll all be part of oldtimestrongmanuniversity dot com at some point. That's, that is awesome. Um, one question before you go, uh, yes. and I'm one, one last one, I promise. Crunchy peanut butter or creamy peanut butter? Creamy all day. Creamy all day. All right. There's your answer. David, thanks so much. Guys, we'll you. see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Original Strength Podcast. If you made it this far, thank you so much.